Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> As we were singing those two songs, the <clears throat> two songs that we ended with, as we were worshiping, I was reminded more and more about what I'm going to share with you about. <clears throat> Have you ever thought of this? When you are facing, either when you are facing a challenge, or when you are afraid of something, or when you have a need of something, <clears throat> do you realize that we often think about our own strength and our own ability to meet that need? We think about our own strength and our own ability to overcome such a challenge. We think about our own strength and our own ability just to get out of it or to get through it. Have you ever thought of that? <clears throat> when you have a need or when you have a challenge or when there is something that is threatening you, you usually think about what can I do? But if you listen to the two songs, <clears throat> one of them says, be still and know that he is God. Many times we stress because we try to think about what am I going to do? How will I overcome this? How will this need be met? What about this? But if he says, be still and know that I am God. In other words, let not your hearts be troubled. Just trust in God, depend upon him. Amen? Because he's the mighty warrior, he is great in battle. And Jehovah is his name. Amen? <clears throat> the problem with most of the people in this world, and unfortunately also Christians, is that we do not expect something good is going to happen to me just now. People may rather say, you never know. I may just get out of here and something bad happens to me. That's what people anticipate. You don't think, I may just get out of here and somebody just blesses me. Why don't we think like that? Why do we always think you never know something may, bad may just happen? You need to start saying to people, you don't know, something good may just be about to happen to me now. Amen? That's a change in thinking, because we've got to start expecting God's favor every day. Amen? Can we go to the book of <coughs> Psalms chapter 5, verse 12, we'll do it in the NIV. So today I want us to talk about expecting the Lord's favor every day. <coughs> expecting the Lord's favor every day. When other people are expecting that you never know something bad may happen, I'm expecting you just don't know something good is about to happen. Yes. Amen? <clears throat> Can you tell your neighbor you just don't know something good is about to happen to me? Yeah, because I'm expecting favor. And by the way, when you expect favor, it's not that you calculate this and that and that, or you look at that and that and that and it works out. 
you just think, I'm just so much favored that something is going to work out. Look at this. Psalms 5 verse 12 in the NIV. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Look at what God is doing. It says he blesses the righteous. So if we are righteous, the Lord blesses us. I'm righteous. I know the Lord blesses me. But as he blesses me, he also surrounds me with favor. You know when you are surrounded with something, whichever way you go, you meet it. Amen? So if I'm moving this way, favor. I'm moving this way, favor. I'm moving this way, favor. Amen? When others are surrounded by calamities and destruction, I'm surrounded by favor. That's what God says, isn't it? He says he surrounds us with favor. Tell somebody next to you, you are sitting next to somebody who is surrounded with favor. Surrounded with favor. Amen. So it means when I move this way, favor meets me. I go that way, favor comes my way. Amen? Because I think the problem is that we don't think about how God thinks. Do you know that God is always checking every day, looking for somebody to bless? Mm. You see, it's just that God <coughs> doesn't sleep and he doesn't wake up. But if he were a person and he wakes up, I would say he wakes up every day looking for somebody to bless. Amen? There is a sound that says, Lord, you daily load us with benefits. So each day, he's looking. Can I get somebody to bless? Go to the book of 2 Chronicles, 16 verse 9a in the New King James Version. Because our way of thinking needs to change. We need to start thinking like God. When God thinks about us, when God wants to favor us at all times, we have to expect favor. If he says he surrounds us with favor, we've got to expect favor. But as I'm moving around here, somebody's just going to do me good. You see, when people are thinking, when I'm moving around here, somebody may just do me bad. But we who are favored, I'm moving around here, somebody is just going to do me good. Because God is looking for opportunities to bless me. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9a. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Yeah, I wanted that part. So it says the eyes of the Lord, what are the eyes of the Lord doing? And then all of a sudden he finds me there expecting favor. Imagine God expecting to favor somebody and he finds you expecting to be favored. That's it. Amen. Because it says the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking. Is there somebody here that I can bless? I want to bless. It's my nature to bless. Amen. So then his eyes are moving to and fro upon the face of the whole earth. And he wants to bless us. 
The problem with us, like I said, is that we always think about our ability. We always think about what we are able to do, what we can do. And we do not think about what God is able to do. So it means for anything that you are facing, if you were to think, okay, for this challenge, it's not me, it's going, there's God on my side. So then it will be easy to meet it, isn't it? So the problem is if you think about skills, you think about strength, you think about your strength, you think about your ability, you will be limited. But your God is unlimited. So we expect favor every day. I want you to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 11. We'll do it in the King James, New King James Version, NKJV. Actually, this is one of the scriptures that we've got in the key to extraordinary life. But I like it because <clears throat> it's teaching us not to depend on our ability. So if the Lord is teaching me not to depend on my ability, he wants to do it for me. Amen. Amen. So read Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, New King James Version. I returned and saw under the sun that... The race is not to the swift. So he says, I noted under the sun that the race is not always won by the fastest person, the fastest runner. Mm -hmm. Nor the battle to the strong. The battle is not always won by the strongest. Nor bread to the wise, mm. nor riches to men of understanding, mm. nor favor to men of skill. I like that. Nor favor to men of skill. So I may be with no skill at all, but favor comes my way. <clears throat> Amen? Because sometimes we think, I do not have skill for this. I don't have ability for this. But it's not about that. Amen? When it's your time, it's your time. When the Lord favors you, it's coming your way. Now, just finish it, because Ecclesiastes uses the word that the preacher, the NIV and New King James, they use this word, but I want to explain it to you. Mm -hmm. But time and chance happen to them all. Amen. He says time and chance happen to them all. For us who are Christians, who are children of God, we know things don't happen by chance. It's favor. It's grace. Amen. When people say, ha, ah, you're so lucky. Have you ever heard people say that? I'm not lucky. I'm favored. I'm blessed. Amen. 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 So he says, favor does not necessarily come because of your skills. Favor comes because I'm favored. And whichever way that I move, I am surrounded with favor as with a shield. So now he says, favor does not necessarily come because of skills. If I'm favored, I'm favored. I don't have to get promotion because, do you know, okay, the problem with favor when it's in the wrong hands, it can be used for corruption. Okay? Did you know that when you are favored, sometimes you get things that you don't deserve? Because you are favored. But now, if it's God favoring me, then I get things I don't deserve. Because he favors me. Amen? 
He makes sure that when I'm on my way to something, he just says, if this one is coming through, let doors be opened. Amen. Because I'm favored. And wherever I move, I expect favor. Amen. The problem, like I said, is that we always like to do it on our own strength. And we limit ourselves. There are times sometimes when I think of things this way. When I have a need or when I have a challenge, I always think, but I've got an advantage because I'm a child of God. So in other words, when all else fails, I've got my hope in God. Amen. Because if you were not a Christian, then it would make sense that you always have to think about your strength and your ability. But when you are a child of God and you've got favor with God, you don't even think about your strength and your ability. You just dream big and say, I'm favored. The Lord will give me victory. Amen. We all know what's the meaning of favor, isn't it? Favor. Sometimes you will hear somebody say, may you do me a favor? It means they are saying, I know I don't deserve it, but give it to me anyway. Amen. So imagine now God favoring me. God doing me a favor. And I receive that favor. Because the problem is that when we depend on our strength, we are limiting ourselves. Actually, there is this scripture in Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 to 8. <clears throat> you will see that God doesn't like it when we depend on our own strength. Because he wants us to depend on him. He wants us to trust in him. There is this scripture, and it's one of the translations puts it nicely. The one that says, I am Jehovah, I am a jealous God. There's one translation that says, I am Jehovah Kana, which means a jealous God. But a jealous God in this way, other translation would say, I do not tolerate any rivals. In other words, God doesn't want to compete with anything else. Because he is God. He wants us to give him supreme authority in our lives. To say, I fully depend on you. I fully trust in you. And sometimes you would find that because of your own ability, sometimes you think, ah, for this I'll just do it myself. Yeah, this, this, that. No, I know I can make that. You know, yeah, no, my budget, you know, I will do this. Uh, actually, I will go and get a loan there. I will do this. I will do this. But where is God? He says, I'm jealous. I want you to think about me when you have a need. I want you to think about me when you are threatened. I want you to think about me when you have a challenge. Because sometimes when we have a challenge, we think of our own ability. I think I'll do this. I think she's taking advantage of me. I think he's abusing me. I think this, this, this. And we think about our ability. But listen to this, Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, New King James Version. Thus says the Lord. Okay, the Lord is speaking now. Let's listen. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Okay, so it says you are cursed if you trust in man or if you trust in your strength. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. 
So it means God wants us to trust and depend on him. Not on people and on our own strength. Because some of you say, for me at least it's better. I don't depend on people. I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-sustainable. Then you are depending on your strength. So you still cast. Amen. Continue. Whose heart departs from the Lord. Yeah, when you depend on man or when you depend on your own strength, then your heart departs from the Lord. Because you are not focusing on God, you are focusing on your ability or on the ability of people around you. Mm -hmm. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. You see, (laughs) it says when you are cursed, when you depend on strength, when good comes, you don't see it. When, When a blessing comes, you can't see it because you are cursed. So when things are about to happen, when good things are coming your way, you won't see them. But it's coming. And you don't see it. Because you are looking at your ability, at your strength, at man. Mm-hmm. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, mm. in a salt land which is not inhabited. Mm. Blessed is the man who okay. trusts in the Lord. Now, that was cursed, isn't it? Cursed is that one. But now who is blessed? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And whose hope is the Lord. In other words, you trust in the Lord and your hope is the Lord. Mm-hmm. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, mm. which spreads out its roots by the river, mm. and will not fear when heat comes, mm. but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Amen. So when you are blessed, you see all these good things coming. You expect to be favored every day. Amen. And you keep on bearing fruit. You keep on being fruitful. Whatever you lay your hands on to prospers. Because the Lord blesses the works of your hands. Amen. But when you are depending on strength, When you are depending on men, you limit yourself. You limit yourself because you won't even see when good comes. But if you're always looking for a blessing, a favor from God, each day, because like I told you, I like that verse that says, he loads us daily with benefits. And the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So each day, he's got a load of benefits for me. And I'm expecting to be favored. I'm expecting favor. Okay? Today is Sunday. I'm expecting favor. Tomorrow is Monday. I'm expecting favor. Amen. And when God favors you, he will also make sure that people favor you. Amen. Can we read Proverbs 3, verse 4? This one is talking about a person who delights in the law of the Lord. It says when you want to be favored, you should actually make sure that you keep the law of God. You keep fellowshipping with God. Because unlike the favor of the world, which is a coincidence, God's favor is not coincidental. It's by design. 
Actually, we can start it from verse 1. Proverbs 3, from verse 1 in the Amplified. You will see that as you keep the law of God, as you delight in God, then favor comes. And God will make sure that he favors you, and as he favors you, he makes sure that people also favor you. Amen. That you just go to the interview, maybe you were not really the best candidate, you didn't really do the best, and they just don't know how now they just feel, but this is a, the right candidate. This, this, this is the right candidate. And they don't know why they are doing that. Because God favors you, and then he makes sure that men favor you too. Amen? And by the way, did you know that when people, why people go for bribery? It's because they want to buy favor. But you who are favored, you don't have to bribe anybody because favor is looking for you. Amen? You are favored. When people of the world are buying favor, favor follows you. The Lord, the Bible says, favor surrounds you. God surrounds you with favor as with a shield. Proverbs 3, 1 to 6, Amplified. My son, do not forget my teaching, Mm. but let your heart keep my commandments. So the only thing that God asks us to do is to keep his word. You just keep his word. You just keep on loving him. And favor will look for you. Mm -hmm. For length of days and years of life worth living, and tranquility and prosperity, the wholeness of life's blessings they will add to you. Oh, so it means, you see what God is looking for? To to add things to you, to give you more good days, to give you blessings, all these things. So that's what you should also be expecting every day. Not what the world tells you. You never know, you may just move out of here. And something tragic is going to happen to you. That's not how God sees it. God says, I want to add more good things to you. I want to bless you. I want things to go well with you. Uh Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. Bind them securely around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So find favor and high esteem. In no, the... <clears throat> this one, the Amplified that I have, it says, so shall you find favor. Okay. So shall you find favor, good understanding, and high esteem in the sight or judgment of God and man. Yeah. So when you do this, when you keep the law of God, when you keep the word of God in your heart, you will find favor. With God and men. Amen. Amen. So when God favors you, he will make sure that people too favor you. Amen. And you don't have to struggle. You don't have to to work for favor. You just have to delight yourself in the Lord. Keep loving God. Keep serving God. And favor will keep looking for you. Favor will keep Looking for you. That's why I'm saying expect God's favor every day. Now, go back to, go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. We're going to do this one in the NLT. Because I just want to reiterate this thing that the thing that makes us miss the favor of God is because we are always thinking about our ability. We are always thinking about when I have a need, I will do the calculation, this, 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 this. I'm short. And when I think I'm short, that's it. 
I don't think, but I'm favored. I'm expecting some favor here. I'm expecting favor. Now look at this. Galatians 4, 22 and 23 NLT. Then you will see that the two sons of Abraham actually were showing what we meet every day. We are always having an opportunity of those two sons. Look at it. Tell me, you who want to live under the no, law. Galatians 4, oh. 22 and 23. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons. Okay, the scripture says Abraham had two sons. Uh-huh. One from his slave wife and okay. one from his freeborn wife. So we know one was from Hagar, the slave wife, and one was from Sarai, the freeborn wife. Okay. Uh-huh. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment hmm. of God's promise. Yeah. Repeat that statement. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. How often do we get into this trap? Human attempt to do what? To bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. And then you beget an Ishmael. Okay? Human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. It means sometimes you consent, you say, hey, I'm trusting God for this, but it doesn't seem like it's working. What about if we do this, that, and that? It's human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. He says in that way, you beget an Ishmael. But the son of freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. <laughs> do you get that? The other one is your, your, your attempt to fulfill God's promise. The other one is God's own way of fulfilling his promise. Which one do you like? I like God's way. Amen. Amen. Can, can, just repeat that. Repeat. I like these two sons. Verse 23. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. How often do we get into this trap? We all get into this trap, isn't it? You think about how will it happen? Okay, I think I'll go and get this, that. I'll go and do that. I'll go and try that. What about this option B? What about this? That's human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But can't we let God fulfill his own promise? Can't we allow him to be God? Amen. God wants us to trust him to fulfill his own promise. Actually, I... The word of God is so, is so good. At that time I was meditating about why was man created on day six. You remember that God didn't create man on day one. Yeah, go to Genesis. So in Genesis, day one, night and day, it was the first day, and God said, let there be light, and then this, and this, that, that, that. He did everything. And when he had finished... On the last day, 
He created man, and then the seventh day he rested. So then I was asking myself, oh, hey, man, imagine he was created on day one. He would have tried a lot of things to try and make sure that what God wants to do should happen. You remember one of the days God was going to make sure that there are trees all over the earth. Now, if it was men, how can trees fill the whole earth now? But you know how God did it? He just said, let tree come out of a dry, from the ground. And then the trees came. But with men, it was going to be a struggle. And men may even do some attempts to bring about God's promises. But how he did it is he said, wait, we don't create you until we've done everything. And then when we finish everything, now you can come into the scene. So can't we also think about this in every other thing to say, actually God is working for me behind the scenes. God is busy. All I need to be doing is I need to be just keeping his word. All he wants from us, the only work that you should do as a child of God is to believe God. That's the only work that you do. You believe God, you have faith in God, you pray, you keep on loving God. That's all you do. And then he will be working things on your behalf. Working things behind the sea. Now it says, the son of a slave, human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises. But this other son, it's God's way, God's own fulfillment of his promises. I would rather have God fulfill his promises. Amen. Amen. So even those of you who are still waiting upon the Lord, who are trusting God for something, don't try human way of fulfilling God's promise. Because, you see, the other time I was telling you about that story of Isaac and Ishmael, how Ishmael was born, and I told you that it's not as if God said, oh, you helped me a lot, Abraham and Sarah. I didn't know what to do. No. When they got their Ishmael, he still said, I want to fulfill my promise my own way. So why didn't they just wait then? Because now most of, you know that most of the problem we have now in the Middle East today is because of men trying to help God. Hmm. Ishmael was born out of man's endeavor to help God. So, the problem with Ishmael's is that they will keep on competing with your Isaacs. Do you know that some of you, because you don't want to wait, you will do something and you make a mistake, you do something, you've got a child out of wedlock and in future when you have this now, that keeps on, keeps on, the other one keeps on competing with this one. How you keep on having a problem. So you could ever as well have waited upon God and let God do it his way. Can we learn to wait upon God? Can we learn to trust God and not beget Ishmael's, which is human attempt to try and help God? Go to the book of Luke. 
Because I just want to show you that God doesn't want us to be toiling. He wants us to be believing him. Probably as we are sharing here, some of you are thinking about the things that you are looking to from God. Keep on trusting God. Amen. Keep on embracing God's promises and trust the Lord. Trust God with all your heart. That Proverbs that says, you will find favor, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your mind will tell you, this won't work, this won't work. Just trust God. Now look at this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 6 in the King James, I want to show you again where men, you may toil on your own, but when the master is there, let him take charge. Whatever he leads you to do, do it. Okay, let's go for it. Luke 5, 4, and six, 4 to 6, New King James Version. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Mm. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. And okay, Master, what did we do? Toiled all night. We have toiled all night. Uh -huh. And caught nothing. Oh, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. So you are not always guaranteed that if you toil, <laughs> you will get. Can you tell your neighbor? You are not always guaranteed that if you toil, you will get. Because sometimes instead of us trusting and just waiting upon the Lord, people say, no, but you've got to be trying something. Try to be doing this. Try to be doing this. But here he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Mm. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. Ha. Guys, do you see the difference? He toiled all night without the master's intervention and they caught nothing. Now the master gives a word and he believes that word. He says, nevertheless, in other words, in his mind he was thinking, this man is not a fisherman. He doesn't know because, you see, they say it's easier to catch fish at night, isn't it? Early hours of the morning. Now, you toil all night when it's the right time to catch the fish, and you catch nothing. Now, somebody who never caught fish comes and tells you, take your nets and throw them here, you will catch. Now, Peter thinks, Master, I think it was his first self. So, probably we'll also have that in our own lives, where it's you first, isn't it? Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. In other words, his mind was saying, what difference will it make now? That's how he was thinking. Then he said, nevertheless, do you know that usually when we say but, we want to cancel whatever we spoke before the but, with a but, isn't it? But unfortunately, in many cases, we start with a good statement. And then we cancel it with a bad one. Now, rather start with a bad one and cancel it with a good one. 
We've toiled all the night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. And when he let down the net, they caught. Just, just repeat that part. After they start with, Master, we've toiled all the night. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And okay. when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Amen. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you been toiling? Don't answer it out loud. So, be like Peter. I've been toiling and caught nothing. Now it's time to believe God. Now it's time to say, as you say, as your word says it, I'm going to take your word for what it says. I'm going to trust you, Father, for what your word has promised. And then see if you won't catch a great multitude of fish. Amen. 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 Whatever we trust in God for. Because sometimes we say, but pastor, we've got to be realistic. Imagine if Peter here had thought like that. He would say, Master, you've got to be realistic. We toiled all the night. We caught nothing. Now, it's not even time to catch fish now. We won't catch anything. And you know what was the problem? <laughs> okay, look at this. They say when people catch fish with the nets, you throw the nets, imagine throwing a net into the sea. Then you pull the nets. If there are no fish, then you're catching a lot of all those dead. You know the things in this? It's a lot of things there. That So it says, actually, by this time, they were washing their nets. So they washed the nets. Imagine now you finished washing the nets. Now you are told, throw the net back in. Just to dirty it again? That's why sometimes common sense kills you. Because you think, now, if we throw it back and we catch nothing, is this man going to wash our nets now? <laughs> then that's why I said, nevertheless, set your way. So sometimes you just need to take the word of God like a child. Man. I say, my mind doesn't understand this, but God, you said that's how it works. It will work. Isn't that how you get healed? I get healed that way. When sickness comes to my body, I just believe, I say, Father, I thank you that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus I'm healed. I receive my healing. And I say, sickness, you've got no part in my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not a temple of sickness. And then I find I'm healed. So it means it's working. Amen. Any of you ever trusted God for something? You know that you just use a childlike faith. And God did it. And he wants to do it again. And again. And again. And again. That's why the many testimonies that we have about what God can do, they were supposed to teach us that we don't have to toil all the night. It's not worth it. Let's rather trust God. Let's rather look upon the Lord. Let's rather rest in God. Go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. 
verse 10 to 14 in the TLB. Because I want you to get this, that God wants us to look up to him. As we are expecting favor. You know when you are expecting favor, it's because you're not looking inwardly, you're not looking at your own strength. You are trusting God. I know God is working out something for me. I know God is working behind the scene. You would be like Joseph who was sold to a foreign land. You remember Joseph had a dream. But when he was sold to a foreign land, favor followed him. And wherever he would go, favor would come with him. He goes to Potiphar's house, favor was with him. Thrown in prison, favor follows him. And as favor was following him, God was working something behind the scene. And ultimately he became the governor of Egypt. I think the other time I, was, I touched it with you to say, imagine being a, a leader of a, foreign, a land where you are a foreigner. And you ruled it. It's God's favor. Amen? Amen? So, God wants us to look up to him. To trust him. To believe him. Just believe him. A childlike faith. Jesus says, unless you accept the kingdom like these little ones, you will not enjoy the benefits of the kingdom. Because the kingdom needs the simple. Actually, in, in, in Matthew 11, 20, from 26, 27, 28, before he says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, he starts by saying, oh, Father, I thank you that you have actually revealed your word to the simple. You have hidden this from the wise. So when people use their intellect and think that they are wise, they miss out on God's promises. But if you take the word and the promise of God very simply, a childlike faith, expect favor, and you don't even have to think, but what, how does this thing work, man? Just expecting favor. You mean, pastor, if I'm expecting favor and I'm just staying with the word of God, things will work out. Yes. Because God said so. And in Isaiah 3.10 he says, tell the righteous it will be well with them. They will enjoy the fruit of their labor. So our labor in the Lord is just to trust God. And believe him and work in his ways. Hebrews 3.10 to 14 TLB. But, God says, I was very angry with them. But why would God be angry with people? Uh-huh. For their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. Oh, repeat that. For their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. You see, you see that God is very jealous. Mm. He said his other name is called Jealous God. He wants us to look up to him and not somewhere else. He says, I was angry with them. Because their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me. Now, I want to ask you, whatever thing that you are trusting God for, whether it's a need, whether it's something that's been troubling you, intimidating you, threatening you, whether it's something that's stealing your peace and your joy, where are you looking for your solution from? 
God says, I don't want it when you look for your solution somewhere else. I want you to look up to me. I want you to be like Jehoshaphat, who when he was faced with three nations coming against him, he said, Lord, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, he says, there are just too many for us. We do not know what to do, and we do not have strength to fight them. But our eyes are upon you. So it means sometimes some of the things you just don't know how to handle it. So God is not looking for you to be able to handle it. He just wants you to keep on looking up to him. So just reread that verse 10 and go to 14, up to 14. But God says, I was very angry with them, for their hearts were always looking somewhere else instead of up to me, and they never found the paths I wanted them to follow. Then God, full of this anger against them, bound himself with an oath that he would never let them come to this place, to his place of rest. Beware then of your own hearts, dear brothers, lest you find that they too are evil and unbelieving and are leading you away from the living God. So it says, be careful also of your hearts, that we don't become like the Israelites who were led astray from God. Mm -hmm. Speak to each other about these things every day while there is still time so that none of you will become hardened against God, being blinded by the glamour of sin. Mm. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as we did when we first became Christians, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Yeah, I want to share in all that belongs to Christ. You remember when the father said, the father, the, the, you remember the two sons, the elder one and the prodigal son. He said at the end, all that I have is yours. And the elder son didn't know that. So our father has so much for us. He wants to favor us. He wants to bless us. Because his blessing is upon us. And he wants to do us good. Amen. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Keep on looking up to God. Keep on looking up to the Lord and knowing that he is our source, he is our strength. He is our God. I'm expecting favor. I'm expecting favor. And God favors me. Are you expecting favor? If you are expecting favor, let's go to the book of First. Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. Because I have to start winding it down now. Bringing you to what this favor, this grace means. Okay? So with this favor that we are expecting every day. So favor, the other time I, I defined for you grace. Actually, there is the one that defines grace. Yeah, maybe let's start with Second Peter 1, 2 to 3 in Amplified. I just want to define grace and favor. You see, we like saying by grace, or I'm sa we are saved by grace. Grace, grace. You know, grace is one of the commonest terminologies we use in faith. But we need to understand grace. Okay? Peter explains it here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 3 in the Amplified. And then we'll go back to Corinthians. But let's start with Second Peter. 
chapter 1, 2 to 3, Amplified. Grace and peace, that special sense of spiritual well-being. Okay, let's do it in the other Amplified. May grace, God's favor. Okay, may grace in brackets. God's favor. So when somebody asks you in future, what is the meaning of grace? What is grace? As God's favor. Grace, God's favor. So he says, may grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect, well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitation, passions, moral conflicts, be multiplied to you. So, if grace is being multiplied to me, what is then being multiplied to me? God's favor. Amen. God's favor is multiplied to me. So, God's grace did not only help me to get saved, to be a child of God, but I want to enjoy the benefits of grace every day. Where I'm favored every day. Amen. And look at what grace does. Continue. And freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied yeah, be multiplied, be to, multiplied you. to you in the full in the full personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay. So he wants grace and peace to be multiplied, favor to be multiplied. More favor, more favor. Mm-hmm. So when that favor is multiplied, continue, verse 3. For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence or virtue. Okay. So as we are expecting favor every day, as grace is multiplied to us, his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that we need. Amen. Amen. Things that are requisite and suited for life and godliness. So whatever I need in this life, the grace of God has it for me. Amen. 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 What doesn't work is if I'm looking on my strength, I'll miss. But if I'm going to trust God for his grace, his grace is sufficient for me. All I need is the grace of God. All I need is that grace, the favor. Let's do that Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 18a. Because in this grace, you, you, you need to keep on developing in grace. You need to keep on growing in grace. Because grace did not only help us to get saved, but we need to keep on getting things from God by grace. As we get them by grace, like I said, and when we started, I said favor, God's favor, it's not coincidental. It's not luck. Okay? God's favor comes as we keep on loving God and embracing his word in our hearts. And then God will be working behind the sea. Second Peter 3, 18a. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grow in grace. Okay? 
So sometimes we know that we're saved by grace, but we end there. He says, grow in grace. When you grow in grace, grow also in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So in other words, you need to understand who God is, who Christ is in you, and get that intimate knowledge of him. Keep on growing in him, and you will keep on growing in his grace. Amen. Amen. The more you understand and know God, the more you will understand his grace. Okay, yesterday we were having Bible study at home with the children. We were talking about this thing of uh, where you, you, you've got to, to depend upon God and, and, and trust God and not do on your own strength. And Paul says that I may know him, Philippians chapter 3, and the power of his resurrection. So when you know him and understand him, we even gave an example where the Bible says in Psalms, it says God revealed his character. He made his ways known to Moses. But to the children of Israel, he made known his works. So if you only know the works of God or you only know about God, you will be limited. You need to know God and have that personal, intimate relationship with him. And as you know him more and more, then you are growing even in grace. Because then you start seeing it's actually about the Lord. Man. Most of the things that I'm toiling about, where I'm fighting on my own, trying this, getting stressed about this and this, it's not worth it. I must just trust God. And believe God and be like a child. Amen. So then we grow in grace. So when I say when we grow in grace, it means even how we were saved by grace, we've got to keep on living by grace, the grace of God, being sufficient for us at all times. And may the favor of God be with us every time, every day. So can we conclude with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, in the New King James Version. Because this is the grace of God. If we know that we are who we are today because of God's grace, then we will not boast. The problem sometimes is that because if you try to depend on your own strength, then you are going to think things are happening because of you, not because of God's grace. But if you know that as I keep on loving God, I keep on laying my life before the Lord. Keep on embracing his word. Keep on praying. Then he will keep on revealing himself more and more to me. And the more I know him and understand him, the more I will be open to experience his grace in his fullness. Amen. Amen. So listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, New King James Version. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Okay, I want us to start there. So this one now should challenge all of us. Some of you, sometimes you feel, I don't deserve all these good things that pastor you're talking about. I'm such a bad person. Or I've done this and this and this. Pastor, you just don't know my past. 
just don't know my past. It's not about that. Paul says, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Imagine somebody who was persecuting the church. He didn't deserve to be called an apostle. So some of you, you're feeling, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. But that's where grace comes in. Amen? Amen. Because if you deserve it, then you don't need grace. Grace is there because you do not deserve it. Look at how Paul puts it. So read that 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Amen. You understand the grace? So he says, I actually am not worthy to even be called an apostle. So some of you, the devil will keep on reminding you about what you did, your past. And you think, I once committed abortion. Can I really be a servant of the Lord that I can minister and the Lord uses me to reach out to many lives? He says, it's not about what you have done. It's about his grace. So he says, I'm not worthy to even be called an apostle. But I am what I am today because of God's grace. So can we all say, I am what I am today? Because of God's grace. So when it's God's grace, you won't boast. Amen. Because it's not as if you are what you are today because of how hard you worked or how smart you were. He says, it's by grace. It's by favor. So the same grace that saved you. Can't we expect more of it to be multiplied? Keep on expecting favor. Keep on expecting that grace. And may the grace of God be always sufficient for you. May the grace of God be with you. You remember Paul used to like this. May God's grace and peace be always multiplied to you. Because if you have that grace, doors will keep on opening for you as God leads you. Amen? Amen. We are not saying that in this world you will not be challenged. But when God's grace is with you, things will work out. Things will work out. So let's conclude with Isaiah 3.10 because I just need to tell the rushes the concluding word so that when you move from here, you know that sometimes, <laughs> people sometimes are funny. If I were to say I'm prophesying now and I say to you, something good is going to happen you, to you this week, you would all be excited and say, prophesy men of God. But I can tell you, something good is going to happen to you. I don't have to be prophesying. It's what the word of God has already said. Amen. So it says I must tell you. What must I tell them? Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit so, of them. So that's what I'm saying to the righteous. It will be well with you guys. It will be well with you. 
Amen. So then just expect that. Amen. You don't need the man of God to prophesy over you that it will be well with you. It will be well with you. God has already said it will be well with you. Amen. So now it's up to you to keep on expecting the favor. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard? And then just know that it will be well with you. And thank God that even the things that were challenging you, things that were threatening you, where you were trying to add things and they were not adding up, you are going to depend on God's grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We exalt you, my Lord.